welcome back, Winning Women listeners. It is one of the best times in the sports world, but it's come to an end, unfortunately. Of course, talking about March Madness, and so many things happened this season. We've already talked about the discrepancy in the beginning of the tournament, but just the past couple of games, men and women have had some really close ones, some nail biters. A lot of interesting (laughs) narratives have come out of this, and... I just can't wait to dive into these with you, Madison, because we have a lot to discuss, but um, mainly a lot to discuss about the women. So we're going to get to that in just a second, because we're coming right back off the game, the men's game, actually, with Baylor beating Gonzaga, 86 to 70. And uh, they were just dominant the entire game. They, I mean, pretty much Gonzaga didn't have anything going for them. But what's more frustrating to me is I saw this um, ESPN put out this headline that was like after the game was over that Gonzaga was just quote unquote overrated. I don't know if you saw this Madison, but it like ignited this deep fire within myself of hatred and annoyance. So I just wanted to hear what you thought about, because I mean, I just want to hear what you thought about the game first of all, and then what you think about how Gonzaga can lose for the first time all season and then people can just quote unquote say they're overrated. Okay. Yes. So you make such valid points there and I'm rolling my eyes while she's like talking about this because I'm in equal annoyance with it. So last night I get home. I, the game had already started when I got home. So I had to turn it on. The first thing I see Baylor was up like 23 to six and I am just like, hang on a second. What is going on? Like, is this right? Like, is this the right game? And I was like checking to make sure this wasn't like a pass game. Like if I turned on something totally different, I don't even know. I just felt like I was in a completely different basketball world. Like there's no way this was happening. And and I mean, like no hate on Baylor or anything. They did great, but like, I don't know, like Christine said, Gonzaga went undefeated all season. I pretty much had all of my money on them. I mean, I'm not a betting woman by any means, but If I was, I would have put all my money on Gonzaga because they just dominated from start to finish the entire tournament. And well, not finish, obviously, because they lost last night. But it was just so surprising to me. And don't get me wrong. I'm super, super proud of Baylor. They represent the Big 12. I think they have a great coach. Um, I think they have, you know, really picked up the pieces in their program, obviously have a little bit of a dark past, but as a big 12 school, you know, Christine went to the University of Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma State University. We're both tied to the big 12. We're here in Oklahoma and Baylor is not that far down south. So it's almost like you you were excited to see them kind of do well. But at the same time, I was like, wow, I had Gonzaga winning the whole thing. And I just thought this was going to be a completely undefeated season for them. So yeah, I was super shocked to see that last night. Um, I mean, I, I really just wanted it to be a competitive basketball game. It wasn't necessarily that, I mean, it did pull within like 10 or nine or something at one point, but it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely Gonzaga just kind of fell off the face of the earth, but Christine to answer that or your second question, I am equally as annoyed by that because I thought Gonzaga obviously had a flawless season. They did have, you know, a couple of nail biters here and there, but they always came out on top. They always were able to execute and finish a game. And I do not think that them getting to the final 
in March Madness and then, you know, obviously letting that slip away, that does not make them overrated. It just means that, you know, they they didn't show up to play that night. That happens to every single team out there, whether they're undefeated or if they have a losing season. If they don't show up to play, they don't have the right mindset, they're not ready to execute, they're going to lose the game. I don't think that necessarily counts them out as like a good basketball team or I don't think it puts them in any kind of position for people to say, oh, wow, this team is completely overrated. They were all kinds of way too hyped up all season. This is ridiculous. Gonzaga is just totally discounted. Absolutely not. They had a bad game last night. Baylor came to win, and that's exactly what they did. It was yeah, exactly like it was so frustrating for me to see that that would even be a headline or a possibility that someone would come in and say, oh, well, I guess Gonzaga was overrated. How can you say a team is overrated when they're beating teams consistently by 20 points? Oh, yeah. Go into the tournament, still blowing teams out of the water. And they really only got challenged basically in the final four. Or I mean, actually, before that, um, Oklahoma did give them a bit of a game um, in there in the round of 32, I believe. And so that was, I guess, a slightly challenging for Gonzaga. I mean, that was the first time anyone had seen them, you know, like not blow anybody out by 20 in the first right. half. So then you see them play against UCLA. And what I thought was interesting about that game was I think that I'm not saying that they don't have a talented defense. I'm not saying that Gonzaga isn't as fundamental as teams in like the Big 12 are or in other conferences are, but they can lean so heavily on their talent and on these players that have a great shooting percentage that that, that's carried them through the game. And when that falters a little bit or when their ball movement isn't as crisp as it usually is, Mm -hmm. as we saw against UCLA, they kind of were a little confused on where they go from there. And they were able to pull out the game because they kept it close and UCLA isn't as um, aggressive as Baylor is. And I mean, to say that they were overrated because Baylor beat them, who also, I might add, is a number one seed. Yeah. For them to say it's overrated is discounting Baylor's entire performance of the entire season. Yeah. And I think that people were looking up to this game as a possible like championship matchup in the middle of February even because both teams were what, number one and number two basically the entire season. And then Baylor... I think dropped off a little bit after they had that they had to take like a COVID break for a couple of weeks and they weren't the same, but before that even happened, Madison, they were leading the league in points allowed. They were averaging only 62 points allowed per game. And so that leads you to know that their defense is the best defense you're going to face. And that's exactly what they showed against Gonzaga. Their defense was suffocating. Like I hadn't seen a Gonzaga player that scared to enter the lane ever <laughs> ever and then i was just watching in front of my eyes and then he's like oh Gonzaga's overrated no stop discounting baylor's amazing defense that you were talking about all season until now stop discounting players like davion mitchell who was a defensive player of the year stop discounting michael teague stop discounting like mark vital i was getting so heated about it so i'm so happy we're talking about this um so it's just frustrating that i guess it wasn't what anyone thought was going to happen or it wasn't anything that people, I guess, wanted, quote unquote, because I think a lot of pe- the big wigs wanted Gonzaga to win. So if Gonzaga doesn't win, then you have to say they're overrated. And I guess that's the narrative they decided to pick, although I, I 
completely think it's incorrect. Yeah. Ew. I hate that. I seriously hate that narrative because you brought up a really good point about how that one narrative, it discredits both teams because it basically takes away everything that Gonzaga worked for all season by calling them overrated because they fell short in the finals. But you're absolutely right. It really discredits Baylor as well because they're basically saying, oh, Baylor was this Cinderella story who came out of nowhere. They had no chance. They weren't going to make it to the finals. People pretty much counted them out. That's like the farthest thing from the truth because what you said, they were also a number one seed. This wasn't like a number 11 versus number one. This was two number one seeds, pretty much what everybody kind of expected to happen in March Madness. I mean, obviously it wasn't as competitive as I would have wanted, as probably a lot of other people would have wanted. Because like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it was a little bit of a snooze fest. But I I mean, that's just kind of how it turned out. I don't, I really hate the whole narrative that ESPN put out there. I think, and oh my gosh, please don't crucify me for this. But I think that it kind of comes with things like March Madness and um, any kind of like conference tournaments that happened before March Madness, there always has to be the story at the end that just like is so far-fetched and is so far out of reach that it's just like bizarre, but people start to believe it. And I'm just like, no, that's not true at all. Like I, okay, I have no ties to Gonzaga. I mean, I have a friend who works on their digital team, but I don't have like any kind of ties. I just had them picked because I watched them during the season. I saw how successful they were, thought they were a great team. They're led by a really great coach and I just I I don't know they're a good wholesome program who really developed a lot of talent and they have over the past like oh my gosh some odd years and so yeah they're just a good program with a lot of talent that they put out there what you said Christine they just couldn't match up with Baylor in that instance maybe in a different night if they came more mentally prepared if they hadn't been going through a tournament it could have been a different story but I don't want this whole thing about Gonzaga just being some mediocre team who was able to like squeeze and shimmy their way into the finals. No, that's not true at all. But also I do feel I like, I send my heart out to Gonzaga because I did not play basketball in college. So obviously I can't like relate to this, but if you have a completely undefeated season, you don't know what it feels like to lose. And -hmm. then you get your first taste of loss in the finals for the championship. I was just like, Oh, that hurts. But you know what? It's uh, it's character building, if you may, but that does not mean that they were overrated. They just fell short, and that's part of the game. Exactly. You know, and like you bring up a good point. I was thinking about this too when I was watching them. You know, he took uh, Gonzaga's coach took out their star players with like two minutes to go. I think to put out the seniors, put out the players that never really got to play during the season at such a big stage anyway, um, to give them that shot of playing. And I saw them all crying on the sideline. And at first I think I was like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. Like, (laughs) I can't believe you're crying right now. But then I really thought about it and I thought, wow, you know, this team had consistently been beating teams all season by like almost over 20 points every game. They knew they were dominant. They knew they were talented. They knew their identity and they played such cohesive basketball for so long that you don't even think of like put aside losing. They don't even think of losing that game as a possibility. Like, I don't, I think they saw the tournament. They saw the hype around them. They saw how many people were picking them to win. And they thought that that was their year. And for everything to go your way until the literal last game and have it all fall apart. And honestly, it's not even like a fell apart in the last four minutes. It's not like 
they made a couple of bad decisions and that ended up turning the game. It no, from the get-go, from it the was not the game. It was not going well. <laughs> for that to happen and not to like to try everything you can and have it still not work out, I'm sure that's completely devastating. It's shocking. It's like so it would shocking. shock anyone's system, exactly. <laughs> and I I mean I even had Gonzaga pick to win too because I mean, at the beginning of the season, in January and February, I honestly thought that Baylor would beat Gonzaga, but then they took that break, and after I saw them return back to the Big 12, I didn't think they looked like the same team. I was like, nah, they don't have it anymore. They had this grit. They had this great defense. Their shots are off now, and I was like, it's, too, it's getting too close to that special March Madness time. I don't think I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it together, right. and they proved me wrong, and honestly, like I'm glad they did because they just put up an amazing performance against the best team in the nation and won. And like you said, Madison, if this was a different night or if, you know, Gonzaga came with a different headspace or maybe made a few more adjustments here and there, maybe it would have gone their way, but ultimately it didn't. And that's not to say that Gonzaga isn't talented. It's not to say that they're a bad basketball team. It's just to say it didn't happen. So don't try to center this around that they're now overrated. They were never overrated. They were never overrated. Get out of here with that. Oh, but you know what also isn't overrated? Tell me, Christine. March Madness for women. Oh my gosh. We need to get into this conversation because we watched the final four games together at Pony Boy on Friday night, which was super, super fun. But I want to talk about Arizona's, Arizona's coach first because they had that amazing final four win. And first of all, anytime a coach is giving a kind of pep talk or a uh, team huddle. I know that they're not used to having that moment be televised (laughs) and they always feel like it's like within their players and everything. But I love seeing those moments because you get a real reaction of how those players feel about that coach. Like like, even when um, sometimes situations arise where you can tell someone to say the right thing, or even that they're trying to hype up their team. Half the time, the team isn't even here for it. Half the time, the team is like, okay, cool. We're going to go play now. Bye. But after Arizona won their final four game, their coach, Adia Barnes, came together with the team. They had this huddle, and you could tell that she was so proud of them. She was hyping them up. She put up the double birds. And I think someone had realized that she said, like, F everybody. That, I guess, didn't believe in them or whatever. And in the minute I saw that, I just started clapping. I was like hollering. I was like, this chick is awesome. Because like, that's the kind of coach I would want. Like the coach that is like, I was here for you. You were here for you. Your whole team was here for you. And this is what we could all do together and build together. Like this was our moment. So F everybody that didn't think we could do it. That's the kind of coach you fight for. And that's a lot, that's a coach I think a lot of players want to fight for, but they don't always get. And then this video came out on Twitter and people were talking about it. Like she should apologize. And you, (laughs) you tweeted about, about how, you know, how you felt. And I just want you to relay your message because I just kind of was like clapping and I was like, yes, this is my kind of coach but you were kind of more eloquent in the way that you, that you believe that this subject should be talked about. So why don't you go ahead and get into it? Yeah, here's my thing. So I am a little, sometimes a little too audacious about how I feel about 
you know, people commenting on other people and like telling them what to do, like how to act, what to say, what to uh, think. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. So um, I actually, I loved your retweet, by the way. I thought that was awesome. Like you were hyping it up and then here I am like complaining, but no, I think it's both sides. We're both supporting. Yes. I'm obviously oh. just hyping her up. And then you're like, yeah, F everybody that's also <laughs> saying to apologize. Well, it's know. like, we, we got both ends covered. It's all good. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the brain of Madison. So I, I did, I saw this and I, I know better than to do this, but I wanted to go through the comments because I was dying to see like what people were saying about this. And at first I was pleasantly surprised because it was a bunch of people like, Yes, girl, like never apologize for that. Congratulations on your win. What an awesome program. What a great coach. Um, a lot of what Christine was saying, like this is the type of coach I would want my daughter playing for. This is awesome. And then I, I go a little farther down and there oh. are older men, like not even like women, but men demanding that she apologize for doing this. And that's where I got a little triggered because first of all, I don't think anyone should ever have to apologize for doing something that is, you know, team building and team bonding and they're relaying messages to their uh, players after a big win. I don't think that having a celebration act that may have like come off wrong to Gerald who was sitting in his armchair drinking his nightly beer before bed like I don't think so and so I just got a little turned off by that and I really what basically what my comment was was just saying like you know this woman just led her team to a final four win they are going to the championship game she is a black female head coach at a wonderful university playing D1 college basketball in March Madness. She's doing all this stuff. She's a mother. She is, you know, a, a wife. She is a leader at the University of Arizona. And people are telling her that because she was caught on camera giving her team basically a pep talk, and yeah, she did flip up the double birds, that she should apologize for that. And some of these comments were like, what if my young daughter had been watching this? What about all the young girls who are out there watching this? Well, hell, you should be inspired by that because if I were a young woman, personally, I would want to play for a coach who was passionate, who was hyping me up at the end of the game, not someone who was just hiding behind your face mask and just kind of like gave a little clap and walked to the locker room. Like, no, I want someone who's going to fight for me and who is going to tell me that they are going to fight for me and then hype me up after we finished the fight together. And so that's yeah. what I thought that Coach Barnes did. And I thought it was amazing. And she's just a phenomenal woman. If you really listen to her press conferences and you see all that she's done for the University of Arizona on and off the court and how, you know, Holly Rowe put out this thing the other day. Yes. And she said on ESPN, you know, hey, um, is her, is it Adia? Is that how you pronounce it? I believe so. Adia Barnes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Adia Barnes between um, half or during halftime of the championship game for them was late to the locker room because she was pumping her breast milk for her baby that she had like six months earlier. And I'm just like, this is incredible because it illustrates the fact that there are women who are coaching D1 basketball in the midst of all this madness. They're in the bubble in San Antonio and she's still a mom 
on the side of being a coach. And that is just a phenomenal story right there in its own. And I'm like, this woman is phenomenal. She's crazy. Awesome. She is crazy talented and she is just a hype man. And I love that so much. And so, yeah, Christine, to wrap all of those thoughts up, I just got a little triggered when people were demanding that this woman apologize for basically doing her job and being a coach. Like, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. I've said exactly five (laughs) times, but like, when you, when you look at the moment that she shared with her team, like, you can't just say that that action deserves an apology because it wasn't a rude action towards someone or something. It was a total bonding moment and it was them coming together as a team to celebrate something that they overcame together so it wasn't directed at a particular person at all and if I think it was if it wasn't in that scenario you just saw a coach like flip up the double bird to someone that's a totally different scenario right and you probably should apologize for that publicly but that was not what the scenario was it was them coming together as a whole team and I just think it was so special to see the way this team came around her because that's what I always look at. Like a coach can love their kids, but sometimes the kids don't always love their coaches, Yep. but you can tell this team was fighting tooth and nail for her. And that's something that's just so special that you shouldn't need to apologize anything for it. And she even said in that press conference, she said, I'm not apologizing for it because I don't feel like I need to apologize. It's what I felt with my team and the moment, and I want to take it back. And I'm proud of her for saying that she's not going to take it back. She's not going to apologize. She's standing her ground. And she's, and I mean, later on, I think it was the post-game press conference from the national championship game at that point where she was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I, uh, I do things in the moment. It gets me a little bit in trouble. And she said that sometimes being so passionate is her weakness, but she said that it's also her strength. So sometimes your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness which I can totally understand, but who doesn't want a coach that's too passionate? I don't think anyone wants a coach that's too passionate. And just to see the way that she was able to overcome so many obstacles, to see how hard of a worker she is, like you said, bringing up the whole Holly Rowe situation where before the game or like during halftime, she was literally breast pumping so that she can feed her baby that she just gave birth to. It's such an incredible story that she was able to give birth I think it was it was either during the preseason where she missed like a week and then she missed a couple weeks after that because she was sick for um because she just gave birth or it was like right when the season started either way it was about three weeks to a month that she missed all together for having a kid but to still have a program surrounding her that wanted to play for her that believed in her that when she came back they just came in and they went to the national championship game and only lost by one point. Yeah. That is such an incredible story. And for any man out there that's saying that, what if my little kid was watching? Like, why would they look up to her? That's why they look up to her. Yeah. All of those reasons why they look up to her. Not because she had a special moment with the team that isn't the most politically correct. I'm over it. No, I, I'm so on board with everything you just said. Like if, okay, I'm not a mother, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) but you know one day one day I hope to be a mother and one day I do really want to have athletes I love you know going to sports I love 
um, just everything that has to do with that world and the excitement, the nervousness, you know, everything, all the different emotions that spill into going to sports. And I personally, I would want my daughter playing for someone who has passion like that. And like, okay, old men who are commenting on this, let's all remember that these young women are in college. Like they can take it. They have heard worse. Probably it's not that big of a deal. And I think where it got misconstrued at first was a lot of people were thinking that Adia Barnes was basically flipping off um, who they, who they beat again. I am blanking. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, but whoever. Okay. So I think that they were, they misconstrued her by that. She was like flipping off the team that they had just beaten. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's not it at all. And Oh, Yukon. And I was just like, guys, Okay, I think what so many people are guilty of nowadays is that they jump to conclusions too fast because they are looking for something to be upset about. They're looking for something to be mad about. They're looking for reasons to persecute somebody else. And I'm just like, hang on a second. If you guys would take a couple steps back, take a couple of deep breaths and understand that, you know, this is a big, powerful moment for all of these young women, for this young coach. Like, this is a huge moment. They're going to the national championship in March Madness. They have had to overcome obstacle after obstacle this past year with COVID and restrictions and people being out due to health protocols and safety things. And, you know, now they have jumped over every single barrier and they have made it to the national championship game. They knocked off a program like UConn, who has just been phenomenal all season as well that's such a big moment for them. So instead of just looking and waiting for reasons to be upset with this team and be upset with this young coach who has so many emotions flowing in and out of her in that moment, let's just celebrate with them. This is a big moment. This is an exciting time for all of these young athletes. It's something they're going to look back on for the rest of their lives. And all these snide comments and all of this really bad energy that's been focused on Adia Barnes just flipping the birds in her huddle, which she has every right to do, by the way, it took away from that moment for that program, for that school, for those athletes and for coach Barnes herself. So honestly, I'm so proud of her with the way that she handled it. Christine, you spoke on it, just how she said, I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, that's what I felt in the moment. And that's what my players got. So if you want an apology, you're not going to get one with all due respect, but that's my decision to make. I'm an adult and you can just buzz off. She didn't say that, but yeah. that's what she I said. It. <laughs> she said it so respectfully too, which is what I gave her props to because she didn't like look bad at all. She's just so calmly like, I- I'm just not going to apologize for that. Like, I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> and it was just, it was so funny to me. I'm like, yes, like good for you. What a, what a gal, such a big fan yeah. of hers. And, um, I mean, that being said, too, it's not like Stanford didn't have a great coach. Like Stanford's coach is like one of the most winningest coaches in women's basketball. So they were two great coaches going head to head. That's what you want to see in the championship game. Right. Right. Um, And for them to only for Arizona to only lose by one to Stanford, who is, you know, the favorite twin anyway. It just shows their grit and their tenacity to win. (sighs) Did you see that game, Madison? So I actually had to watch highlights of that game because I had totally planned, like it was on Easter night and I was home for the weekend with my family and I planned to watch that game. And then I guess like, I really kind of timed things out badly because I had to get back to Oklahoma City um, where I live is about an hour and a half away. So I had to get back to Oklahoma City to go to work on Monday morning. I missed the game. 
So I did just have to watch some highlights of it, but everything I watched, it just looked, you know, competitive. It looked um, really exciting. It was nail biting the whole time. You had a lot of star players on both sides kind of show out like Anna Wilson on Stanford and then um, Aria McDonald on Arizona, like just little stuff like that really makes a, a championship game memorable. It makes it exciting. And so I think both teams have a lot to be proud of. Congratulations to Stanford, of course, like Christine said, amazing coach uh, leading that program. She is, if not the, she is definitely one of the winningest uh, women's basketball coach in college basketball. So just fantastic for her. Two female coaches out there battling it out. That's what we love to see on the Winning Women podcast. So yes, Madison, awesome! Like good game all around. That's that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. Two women coaches killing it with their team, having a good time, playing basketball. I was thriving. I I did get to see it. Um, and you know what? I feel so bad for Ari McDonald for uh, Arizona because she was doing literally everything possible everything in her arsenal pulling everything out of the toolbox to try to beat this team she shot 21 shots madison dang and um the most that anyone shot from stanford was 14 goodness so she was literally just trying to put up everything trying to put her team ahead trying to make it happen and she put it all on her shoulders and she even scored 22 points scored 22 points which is going off. And I, I feel this, this is why I feel bad for her. She was shooting everything she could. She was, she had two assists, two steals. She was kind of all over the floor, scored a total of 22 points. The last shot for Arizona kind of fell on her shoulders. And unfortunately it just came a little short. And um, I know that in a time like that, that situation I know that she probably just put everything on her shoulders and she thought I've just lost the game for my team but when you have a stat line like that and when you're the point guard and you're literally doing everything there's nothing more she could have done to win and I and unfortunately like Arizona only scored eight points in the first quarter Stanford scored 16 yeah and I think that's where the game was really lost they just you know took a little too long in the beginning to get going and then they were able to really get it competitive in the next three quarters and get it down to crunch time and try to win. But I think it just faltered a little bit in the beginning and couldn't really make up for it. And Ari McDonald should be nothing but proud of herself for what she did for their team. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that, you know, no matter the outcome, if you put everything that you have into something, whether it be basketball, whether it be any sport, whether it be life, your job, your career, whatever you're doing, if you just put everything you have into it, you should 100% be proud of yourself no matter what, because, you know, it's all about the grit. It's all about what you learn from it. It's all about what you can achieve and just what you contribute in the process. And you know what? Life is a process. You're not always going to achieve stuff. You're not always going to come out on top, but if you do everything wholeheartedly, if you do it uh, with passion and you just don't hold anything back, you should at least find some pride in yourself to go through that. And I think that's exactly what you know, Aria McDonald and all of Arizona should feel they made it so far the championship game. Yes. That's a heartbreaker to lose, but it's also a memory they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. They got to do that as a young athlete. And I think that, you know, no matter what they made their university proud, they made their families proud and hopefully they made themselves proud because that is the most important thing above all else is always be proud of yourself, no matter what, 
And I just, I love March Madness. I'm so sad it's over. I don't know what I'm going to watch at work while I'm trying to kill time. <laughs> Me so, too. Yeah. I'm in sad girl hours, honestly. Like, sad girl hours. Now it's baseball season and I like uh, baseball, but I don't. Do you really? I do. I, so I really got into college baseball and I mean, obviously during the day at like one o'clock in the afternoon, it's mainly just pro, but it's still enjoyable for me to watch. I went to a Yankees game in the Bronx, and this was probably like four years ago, uh, four or five years ago. And that has still to this day been my only major league baseball game I've ever attended. And so I just, you know, if the Yankees are playing, I like to watch them. Everyone hates me for that, I know. But I'm just, I just like to watch it if there's a team that I'm familiar with and, you know, starting to see some familiar faces from different college teams that I've watched over the past couple of years. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's exciting and it gives me something to watch. Wow, that makes one of us. <laughs> I, uh, I cannot say I will be making the transition from college basketball to the MLB. I, I, I <laughs> can't. I cannot say that's going to be me. I kind of, I kind of wish it was me because like, I could just be like, okay, now that that's over, I can like close the chapter on college basketball. No, I am in sad girl hours. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the post-concert depression. That's what I'm in right now because hey. I'm just sitting here like, what, what am I supposed to do now? Like I've been talking about these matchups since January and they're gone and they're it's gone. over. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to watch? I mean, I'm watching the, I'm obviously still watching the NBA all the time, but it's just not, it's not the same. I love the NBA. They're just different vibes. You know what oh, I'm saying? Completely different. So I'm sad girl hours, but I'll get over it. Honestly, and also, let me just talk about this for a second. So tell me why I was, uh, I love that I just censored myself, by the way. I, <laughs> I usually say something else there, but tell me why. I, right after, Gonzaga loses right after I get a no notification from ESPN and it was about an article and it was called the way too early top 25 poll for men's college basketball next year and I was like this if you would have if I would have gotten this notification at 8 a.m tomorrow I would have been psyched to see it yeah but you can't sit here <laughs> and send this out minutes after this game happens and you have Gonzaga at number one. That's the way, way too early predictions for college basketball. My goodness. Yeah. I was like, listen, if we were, if we were having this conversation tomorrow morning after I could have digested this Baylor win, after I've digested this whole season as a whole and I, and I have a brand new day to move on <laughs> and to gear up for college basketball again, I would have been so excited to see this notification on my phone. But my brain just couldn't handle it minutes after that game. Yeah. I was like, what are, what, how are we having, how is this happening already? Yeah. Let me get my morning coffee before we talk about like next season already. My God. But yeah, that's a, uh, I, I actually have not even looked at that yet. So I will do that, but that's very interesting. And I'm eager to see, uh, yeah, if that actually lives up to the hype because these, uh, too early. Oh, this is a podcast. You guys can't see me doing my fingers, but these are my quotation fingers. The way too early rankings for things. They just make me giggle because I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 We'll see about that. Yeah. The, it's why it's way too early. Cause you know, nothing right now. Way too early. It's, it's funny to me because it's like, yeah. So you can basically either discount everything you said 
because you'd be like, oh, well, I made these predictions back before anyone knew any information back all the way in April. Or if you're right, then you're like, oh yeah, I was right back in April when I wrote this thing. I know everything. <laughs> so it's like, uh, are you lose, lose? It, no, it's a win-win and I hate it. <laughs> it's a win-win, right? Because either way you can just blame it on the fact that you didn't know what was happening because it's April and no one knows what's happening. Or you can just say, oh yeah, I was right. I knew it back last year, duh. That's true. You can kind of like twist you it. You spin it. Away. Yeah, twist it, spin it, wrap it up, put it in the microwave, put it in the toaster, any way you want to spread the butter on it. That's, I'm all out of, uh, I'm all out. <laughs> all the meats i yeah i was just i was not here for it madison all the cooking metaphors i'm out yeah yeah never but any last words for the winning women listeners since usually this is when the guests say their last words i know well if uh if you guys are still with us hopefully you are thank you for listening to just the two of us um it's always a good time talking about basketball march madness was so fun mainly because it happened thank you jesus for letting it happen this year that's awesome we got great entertainment a lot of great stories came out of it i love seeing young athletes prosper like this because it's just memorable it's exciting and they're paving a way for their future so a lot of those faces we got to see we're going to see them in the nba and the WNBA one day and that's just absolutely fabulous so it was fun to talk about it was fun to watch and uh i mean next week We'll have a guest. Who knows what we'll talk about, but uh, hopefully they'll all stick with us for that, Christine. Yep, that's always the fun of this pod. We never quite know what's going to happen, but we know it's going to be great. So for Madison, for myself, Christine Butterfield, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.